here's an answer, or maybe not. I'll just listen you to your question. You have a lot of options. You could be playing Spider-Man 2. You could be playing Alan Wake 2. You could be playing uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder. You could be playing the remastered. Uh, well, it's actually famous. People are mad because it's not remastered. But you could be playing the Metal Gear Solid collection mm-hmm. that recently came out. So, what obscure game and/or Bloodborne are you playing instead of any of those right now? Why are you doing this to me, Kyle? We didn't talk about this ahead of time. You're just immediately okay. First of all, you. Uh, this is the Big Bang Theory. Theory. Hi, I'm Nick, and I'm Kyle. And usually we just like do some shit chat we get into, and Kyle doesn't just fucking come straight at me. Because here's the thing, yeah, I'm, I'm playing some Bloodborne. You know, I, I um, I maybe am getting my way through the final dungeons right now, and you know, trying to do the DLC, which every time I'm like, you know, I'm good at this game now, so I'm going to go into that area earlier than ever, and then I encounter the first enemy, and he just whips the ever-living shit out of me while I do six damage a hit, and I'm like, okay, I guess this is late game. I guess I'm still kind of a chump. And, um, yeah, I also, you know, I go through these periods where, uh, as it cannot, I've, I've said enough, uh, but must mention again, these dark periods of depression where I'll, I'll play a bunch, of, a bunch of Bloodborne and I'll think, well, those hours of my life are forever gone and I can't get the back and I can't believe I'm wasting my life like this. And then I'll lie down a bit and I'll be like, here's the order of the chalices I'd like to run, though, because I think that would be a really clean way to get through all of the chalice dungeons. So I can't help it. I love it. What are you playing, Kyle? Spider-Man 2. Okay. Like a like a boring ass uh, adult who's always wanted to swing around like Spider-Man. Well, well Kyle, I'm just going to gripe for a second here because part of the reason I want to play that new Mario game, I think it looks fucking sick, but I'm a little sheepish because I'm considering some upcoming large expenses. And also, I just finally bought new glasses after years. And Jesus Christ, they're more expensive than I even could have remembered. It's, I'm just going to say I had my, my new spectacles were $600. I've got something more valuable than a PS5 on my face just so I can interact with this hellish existence I'm in. Um, and they have Nike swooshes on them now because those were the ones that would most easily fit my gigantic Coke bottle astigmatism lenses. So, um, I'm anxious I bet about they Mario. Look sick as fuck, though. You know what? Uh, you'd think so, but honestly, so it's cool. From the side, you're like, oh, kind of red Norge. That's fun. From the front, though, identical to my last glasses. No discernible difference. Can't believe it. But yeah, these are not a life changer. If anything, I thought I was making a big change. Find myself in the exact same rigid groove I've always been and that was like oh right I'm 40 that's the rest of my life this is I can make changes but this is me baby what's this show about Kyle uh this episode this episode is about Sheldon's mom getting nasty oh I just that's the better explanation I was just gonna you know start with the regular thing that we skipped over this time because you were calling out my gaming habits which is yeah, this is a show where we talk about the television series, Big Bang Theory, but we don't really like to. So, uh, how is um, Spider-Man 2? Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's good. It's fine. <laughs> it's exactly... No, it's not... It, it's it follows not, it, the Spider-Man template at this point. 
yes, if you liked Spider Man and you like Spider Man Miles Morales, it is basically more of that, which is nice. Yeah, I don't have any real meaningful complaints about it, except that um I had gotten so used to playing the the other Spider Man game on New Game Plus that there are a lot of abilities that are gated behind, you know, levels that I'm like, they could have just given you these at the start. Why do we even, why is this even an RPG? It's like the fun is just running around kicking the ever-living shit out of goons and webbing through the city as fast as you can. Why do I have to unlock things that make me better at that? I would play the whole game if I could do it all at the start and feel perfectly satisfied. So that's really my only complaint. It just reminded me, that was like, I think maybe one of the biggest problems with Bayonetta 3 is that in the two previous games, you you can definitely get new abilities and upgrade them, but at least all of your weapons have like all of their basic combos and you can still do all sorts of radical shit. And then, yeah, in the new one, all of a sudden there's a gigantic skill tree you have to unlock everything through. And it's like, this is not the kind of sexy run and gun action I wanted. This is... I don't want to have to, you know, I mean, getting more powerful is cool, but having, like, you know, you just said in Spider-Man, so many things you take for granted just stripped from you for, like, story purposes or whatever, it also totally sucks. Yes. But, uh, you know, the story overall is nice. They're, I like, they're building their own, like, parallel version of the Spider-Man universe to the comics and the movies that sort of splits the difference between them, but it's still pretty good. Well, hooray for that. So, soft recommend. This was pretty fun. See you in two weeks, everybody. (laughs) No, we gotta talk about Sheldon's mom getting nasty. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, that is the biggest event of the episode. Which, by the way, this is Season 7, Episode 18. The Mommy Observation. Brief summary from the fan wiki, which reads, While Raj is having a murder mystery partner in Pasadena... Howard and Sheldon get their tour of NASA in Houston, never featured on screen, and then drop in unexpectedly at Sheldon's mother, who is not expecting company. And, okay. Yeah, the, the reference But that, expecting come. Oh. Oh, jeez, you just took it. You just took the breath right out of me. <laughs> I'm so just these sorry I'm these so 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 sorry these modern days and these blasted bald cum references just hit me in the gut like a sucker punch you know back in my day you tell a nasty joke you'd finesse your way into it you talked about some dame you met and you had to chatter up at least nowadays it's just come come but uh yeah that is that is the big major incident which is weird because it doesn't happen to like two-thirds of the way through the episode um, and that's because, yeah, like the first half of this is dealing with mostly Raj's murder mystery party, which is a surprise murder mystery party that he springs upon everybody who is not um, Sheldon and Howard, who are still on their little Texas adventure. And but, uh, Stuart is in this episode, and he is in on it. Yes. So he arrives at the apartment and, the, like, the whole joke is, like, we can do whatever we want without Sheldon here. Oh, we got Ty Fru, but another place. It's actually really bad. Don't let him know he won. Um, Sheldon, ar- not Sheldon, Stewart arrives, and um, he starts to have some... I actually thought he was having, like, a legit allergic reaction at first. And then he hits the floor and passes out. Oh, really? Out. Because I thought for some reason he had he had obtained a 
uh, yours makes more sense. I'm just letting you know how my brain works. I thought that he had somehow obtained a uh, like almost perfect replica of the chestburster alien from the movie Alien, and mm-hmm. he was doing the bit where uh, not William Hurt, uh, John Hurt, yes, where John Hurt collapses during the middle of a meal on the dinner table, and the chestburster xenomorph breaks out of his chest and goes running around the room and so i literally thought really did that upon his collapsing in about five seconds later there was going to come like a a prosthetic alien out of his chest in a shower of gore and they was going to stand up and be like ah see see what you can buy at my comic book shop don't you wish you spent more time there that's not what happened kyle we spent a lot of time on this show kind of trying to dig deeper into the the real motivations of these characters and whatever. But this time I got to ask, why do you think that? That was a fantastical journey that you just went on. I loved it. Where did that come from? What? Where? I, oh, he fell on the ground and you're like, surely here well, comes I, the prestige. Well, because I think he was talking about like the food. I think in my head that scene is inextricably inseparable from the scene uh, in... Spaceballs, which mm-hmm. I think they are eating. They're famous. They're eating like some shitty food they're at, at a, a shitty diner. restaurant, right? And the 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 equivalent of space food poisoning is you know that the xenomorph bursts out of that guy's chest. Yeah, uh, to which uh, Bill Pullman and uh, his dog John Candy both go check, please. Yes. So something about people complain. Something about people collapsing during dinner. Uh, in any kind of nerd-adjacent cinema will always be inseparable in my brain from the scene in Aliens and other parodies of it where the chestburster alien comes out of a guy's chest. Kyle, we've been doing this show for so long, and yet here again, another thing I didn't know and find out I like about you, that every time you see someone... Like having some sort of food borne food illness or food where, allergy, and it's like, no, that's gonna be a goddamn chestburster any moment now. Um, I appreciate that, but also, so yeah, that's going on this whole time. Here's the thing that stood out most to me when I was like, "This is a weird episode," and it wasn't even the part where Sheldon sees his mom banging, which was intense. Oh, and we should. Sorry, did I cut? I before I forget, I cut you off before you could say. Anyway, he's pretending to have been murdered because he's oh yeah, a he's victim in the murder. That is exactly story. it. Yes, and so all, all of his goofs are people like, "Oh hey." You're just going to lie there dead all night pretending you're dead? And he's like, that was going to be my plan anyway. Waka, waka, waka. And it sucks because the whole time I'm like, I get it, Stuart. I get it. But before um, the big, I get not reveal, but shock or whatever of, yeah, Sheldon and uh, Wallowitz are, are coming over to his to Sheldon's mom's house unannounced. They want a surprise. And as he's approaching, he peeps in the window, and apparently, you know what? I was about to say he says um, that he sees his mom getting railed. It sounds like she was much more the aggressor here. It sounds oh, like yeah. she was really just like trying to ruin someone's dick. What was his name? Rob, whoever from the church group, whatever. Yeah, um, Ron or Rob or something. Yeah, but I, I keep putting off. But prior to this, um, they're just chit chatting, and um, oh, actually, maybe immediately after this. Uh, Howard and Sheldon are chit-chatting that is and Howard is like hey you know when I was a kid my mom a few years after my dad left us she started dating and I was such a little shithead about it 
that she chose to never love again. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> they just drop it. You're just like, he's just like, yeah, I guess I've always felt a little guilty about that. Like, you should, my dude. Yeah. Like, you... And apparently the biggest thing was, like, I don't know, he says he has no problem with this guy, that the mom is totally into him, and it seems fine, except that he is, like, hasn't dealt with his dad leaving and doesn't want the new guy around. And it uh, all capped off with him, apparently, as he described it, delivering a vicious bar mitzvah speech, and such that, yeah, his mom was just like, enough, I am never going to try you know, instead of eating dick, I'm just going to eat whatever else it is, ho-hos and brisket. It, and Wallowitz, meanwhile, turns into some sort of fucking teen sex criminal because he can't handle his daddy bullshit. And now I'm remembering there was a chance he could have unpacked some of this daddy bullshit because they found that letter from his dad or whatever four seasons back. And the whole gang was like, no. Let's choose to collectively hide this from him. And not in a sneaky way. We're telling him we're doing that. And we'll offer him a series of lies. And he can choose whichever feels right. Like, what the fuck is going on with Howard Wallowitz? Like, I... Oh, so anyway. Yeah, I guess they Sheldon's mom that, fuck like, somebody. Who cares? Yeah. Wallowitz is a maniac. <laughs> they do keep bringing it back to his, like... Somehow they've decided that, like, the origin of all of the real trauma and pathos in the show is going to be Wallowitz, which is, uh, it's a bad choice. Can we just say it's a bad choice? Like, you had four, any one of these four characters could have been the the heart of the show or the dramatic anchor of the, the, the guy you turn to when you want to do very special episode shit, and you picked Wallowitz? Really? Well, and so, another weird thing about this episode, not just that, you know, Wallowitz is... Yeah, we're supposed to be feeling for him specifically, but and it's oddly enough, even though this is the bigger shocking thing, it, like with Sheldon's mom, it is effectively the B plot because the A plot is totally this murder mystery that Rosh puts on a surprise, and all the other friends are like, "God damn it, you, we don't want to do this," and they're being really shitty to him in a way that I was kind of critical of, and then I was like, "No, that's pretty realistic for friends who don't want to put up with their other friends' bullshit." Yeah, um, this is me whenever I try to get most people to play Dungeons & Dragons with me, so I get it. Yeah, it's like, uh, this is a, a true, brutal depiction of reality. <laughs> but um, there's some point where, I don't know, Penny or someone is like, why is this so important to you, Raj? Like, why do you want everyone to, like, do these dorky murder mysteries? And Raj kind of gets somber for a moment, and he's like, you know, when I was young, I was a fat kid, and... It was hard for me to really connect with other people and make friends, and I wanted to do things like this, and I never could. And so I thought whenever I have a gang of friends I can do this with, I'm absolutely going to have them do a murder mystery party with me. And, you know, someone's like, oh my god, that's so sweet. Uh, and I think it's Leonard's like, no, I've seen pictures of you as a kid. You were you were never fat. And he's like, I know, but I'm an excellent storyteller. And it's like, well, but what for? Like, why did you, is that part of your character it's not relevant for the rest of the episode you just it felt like it was going to be a raj centric thing his little party and it does not pan out and then this like one moment where it's like i'm actually going to learn something about raj nope nope it is a it's not even like a, it's not even like a real joke it's just i don't understand why that was in the episode nope i they needed more they needed a joke to pad out the time oh and that reminds me i I haven't been taking notes because I'm trying to not take this show seriously at all. 
but uh, it did take me a moment until you just said that to pop this thing back into my mind. This this half non-joke, which is shortly after the murder mystery officially begins, the group is scouring. It's all at the apartment. They're all scouring around the apartment for clues. And Leonard finds this tiny little human figurine. I can't even oh, remember yeah. the name of it. It's Clarence Darrow. Thank you. And um, he's like, I don't oh, remember that because he's a famous lawyer. Yeah, I don't know shit about lawyers myself. I'm too busy focused on my stuff. But, and so Leonard is like, well, is that a clue? Does my figure something out? And Roger's like, oh, no, no, no. That's, um, or I may think Sheldon even explains. Like, I'm sorry, not Sheldon, Leonard. Ah, that's something that Sheldon made up uh, as part of his own game called Shoots and Lawyers, where you fall down a chute and then you have to work your way back up through the appellate system. And I'm like, that's not a pun. It's not a funny game idea. Shoot, like, what is it? Shoots and lawyers. It doesn't, it's not a funny sounding thing. That's another, like, you know, this, maybe I'm getting too nitpicky, but there's this, like, it felt like there were a few real stinkers in this episode where I'm like, that's just not a joke. You just said something that's a little silly, I guess, but it doesn't connect to anything. There's no punchline. What is it? So... Yeah, that's fair. On the other side, can I tell you, uh, this joke contained, uh, I think I just have a very specific brand of humor, which is I like to watch people in red states get made fun of. So all of my fa- there weren't that many great jokes in this episode, but uh, my favorite by far was when Wallowitz comes in from outside and they were like, hey, I thought you were going to wait in the car. He's like, yeah, I know. But it's been an hour, and if a Jew stays in a car too long in Texas outside someone's house, you know, for sale signs start going up all throughout the neighborhood. That that was a pretty good one. That was in, I think, a rare, hey, Wallowitz is being charmingly self-deprecating and not just an obnoxious, sad pervert. Yeah, and also there's... Uh, uh, Sheldon is talking to his mom, and he's been like, you know, the dating game has really changed since when you were a kid. It's not, not all just sock hops and segregation now. Right. Uh, that was a good line. Um, just like, more of this, like, this show should just be, well, it can't be. But if the show were just a bunch of nerds from, uh, from the coast just coming into the middle of Texas and just trash-talking everyone every single episode, still wouldn't be a good show, but I'd enjoy it more. Yeah, that would be lovely, but you're right, it's not the show we get. There was one joke I just and I just we were just skipping completely randomly around that I just remembered, which is also at the party, um something we didn't even get to yet, even though it is kinda like a more plot centric thing, is when the murder mystery starts, there's an element to it where everyone ends up going twenty years into the future. And they, Raj gives each of them an envelope with which has a, a card in it that describes where they are in life 20 years from now. And the cards that he gives to um, Penny and Leonard, um, Penny is a, a famous actress um, in L.A., and uh, Leonard is a tenured professor at Stanford. And it's like, wait a second, why are we not together? And Raj, again in a pretend game is like, oh yeah, well, you know, in this future, your lives drift apart and you're both very successful, but it just didn't work out. And this turns into, have you guys never talked about your future? Oh man, we got to get into the feelings. But I don't know. It doesn't really go anywhere. You know, Penny's like, 
you don't need to have your dumb professor job with a famous actress because of all the money I'll make. And he's like, well, you don't really go into science for the money. You got to respect my career. And I don't know. Maybe I spaced it out. Was there a resolution to that? Or were they just, oh, Stuart saves the day. Dead body Stuart does. Because he just says, I think you guys are actually a great couple. You really compliment each other. He says, I think you're my favorite couple. Favorite, Both Amy and uh, Bernadette to be like, what the fuck, Stuart? Well, and that was one of those things where I thought their reactions were really great. I liked them, but, you know, then then the joke doesn't pay off. But yes. Stuart does help out and is like, hey, yeah, it's like you pulled Leonard out of his shell. You got Penny to start thinking more deeply about the world. You guys are kind of like one radical person. And I don't know. I guess that is like a nice thing to say. But I was also like, this seems like, I don't know. I don't buy any of this. This is bullshit. Um, but maybe that's just my own feelings, you know, everyone else seemed into it. So Kyle, I feel like, oh, we have not even really talked about the, the actual mommy Sheldon confrontation. I feel like I've been talking too much. You want to describe that? No, it's fine. I mean, you got to, so basically Sheldon is upset that his mother is having sex with someone. And I think he rightly points out, although it's weird for Sheldon to be upset about it. Like I think here's, here's I guess to what, see the, it, I would agree, but you might be right about no, because specifically what he says he's upset about uh, is the fact that basically his mother has lectured him on Christian oh, yes. morality his whole life, and here she is, you know, having sex outside of marriage. Um, but it's like I'm sure she wasn't lecturing him about sexual immorality because it, it's hard to it doesn't seem like Sheldon was you know trying to sneak girls into his room at 15. So I'm not exactly sure what specifically like if it were more like the Wallowitz situation, then it would almost make more sense. Where he's just like, no, I'm not. I can't see you with anyone who's not my dad because I'm just so attached to my investiture in that relationship. But that's not actually what he says at all. What he says in a very gross line is hey i lived up there for you know a brief moment if anybody tries to move into my old room i think i deserve a vote what if though and there's nothing to indicate this but what if sheldon's lack of horniness is not innate but it is because he was as horny a teen as any other and then mommy comes in and is like if god even sees your dick get up in the morning he's gonna strike it off of your body you better not even it's, have horny dreams. Is that the, like, I, I don't know how many seasons young Sheldon has or if it's still going, but is that the next, like, can we look forward to the adventures of horny teen Sheldon? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, and then, you know, this confrontation. I started to say he could build a sex robot, but then I remembered there's literally an episode of this show where Howard Wallowitz, again, gets his dick stuck in a, in a robot that he invented. This might be too personal a question. I'm going to ask it anyway. Kyle, you ever get your dick stuck in anything? No. I've never understood exactly how that happens, but... Yeah, like, I can imagine, and I haven't done this, but, like... Well, no. So, like, if you had something, a jar, that was roughly dickhole-sized, you know, maybe maybe you could... If you fucked a jar and created a vacuum, you'd be like, "Uh uh-oh... The closest I've ever been to really horror. Have you ever seen it? There's something about Mary. I imagine you must have seen that movie. Oh yeah, like not a whole bunch of times, but it was. It was. I saw. It was popular. Yeah. So at the beginning of that movie, somehow Ben it's Ben Stiller blows his chance to go to prom with this hot girl because he's briefly turned on and he gets like half his 
scrotum and and penis stuck in the zipper of his tuxedo and even like you know just like totally tangled up in like the teeth they, they of the zipper. show one of the testicles outside of the zipper yeah, it does not look fully great zipped. yes it's horrible <laughs> it's like so i didn't i mean i didn't think that was actually possible but it definitely was a possibility that lived in my nightmares anyway for years every time i would zip myself up after that well, yeah, that's one of those things, too, that's like, is it out there really happening? No. Did it feel like a real good, like, safety awareness check? Oh, 100%. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm absolutely going to consciously make sure that never happens. This is like a new level of awareness I didn't realize I needed and am now thankful I have. So say what you will about Fairly Brothers gross-out comedies, but I've done pretty good about not They're better than sack. The Green Book, which they also directed, so they should go back what? to do it, making those. Uh, fuck. I, are you serious? I had no clue. Okay. What? <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Is that why there's like a, a hot dog eating contest or whatever at some point? It's like, we just have to have people shoving shit in their face. It's one of our... No, I had no clue. Kyle. Green Book is a 2018 American biographical comedy drama film directed by Peter Ferrelli. Huh. I can't believe I was going to say this. I guess I got to see Green Book, you know? (laughs) You know, the part where the black musician fighting for civil rights in the, uh, in, you know, the Jim Crow South gets his dick stuck in his zipper. You know, that was really the best part. Oh, boy. Huh. The scene where Viggo Mortensen and him wake up in the bed the next morning because Viggo Mortensen's uh, split personality causes them to have uh, gay sex in the middle of the night. Yeah, that's really the stuff, you know? That's <laughs> really what the Oscar was you were, for. You were describing a film that if if directed as a drama would be Oscar quality. <laughs> <laughs> A man develops a, a romance that he never saw blossoming when his a good friend with uh, with dissociative identity disorder, um, one of his alters, he falls in love with. The only thing is this turns out to be a horny demon that starts fires. <laughs> There's a line from... Me, myself, and Irene, and it's disgusting, and it burned itself into my mind for uh, for life, which is, I don't even remember the context of the scene, other than Renee Zelliger, among Jim Carrey's many items, finds a gigantic dildo, and she's like, oh, what, were you planning on using this on me? And he's like, well, yes, but I wasn't going to shove it all at once. I was going to go inch by inch, like a gentleman. And, um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Can't forget that. <laughs> that movie, I mean, for a terrible movie that I haven't watched in the, in a long time and therefore should probably not recommend, I have fond memories of that <laughs> movie. Well, that's, I think it's one of those movies that, like, I think even as a youth, I was like, this is bad. But it was also where the, the, those brothers were like, let's see just how much grosser we can get. Like, let's, let's, I mean, let's include sex crimes and a lot more doo-doo stuff and a thumb gets blown off but it's for goofs and um so anyway Sheldon's mom totally gets 
totally rap the ravages some dude um who we never meet i assumed we'd at least get to see this person but he is apparently taken off in the time yeah it takes sheldon and wallowitz to go get well, a beer and he's got to get back to his family yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but the one thing I, I thought was cute... It, well, so first of all, Sheldon's mom, as always, is so surprisingly composed and cool about it, where Sheldon walks in the door and they're hugging, and he's like, I saw you having sex with a man. And I was like, I'm not Sheldon's mom, I'm just me. That's all I can be. Sorry, society. But I feel like if I were in that situation, I would cry and run away and be like, no, 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 no. Impossible. Terrible thing. Never see it. Terrible, terrible, bad. Um, But... When Sheldon is also like, why him? What's going on? How could you do this? The religion, blah, blah. One of her lines is, you know, I'm a person and I'm not perfect. But Ron's booty is. And I was like, yeah, fucking get it, Sheldon's mom. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Dude. Oh, do you think Sheldon saw his mom eating a dude's ass? No, I think he specifically, uh, well, we don't have to get into the details of what he saw, but see, I was just assuming it was obviously a she was on top sort of situation. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, she was definitely on top, but like, what were the angles, you know? Uh, yeah, um, I guess that's fair. But anyway, they they kind of get over it. She, like, Sheldon pouts for a while, but... But then Wallowitz reveals that he ruined his mother's happiness for eternity and trapped them both in a psychosexual, uh, you know, purgatory for the rest of her natural life, at least. As a tween. And now he's in his, like, his late 20s, early 30s or whatever. What's 15 to 20 years of his mother just being like, I can't believe I sullied my boy's mind with that, that man who tried to romance me. And as we, as we know, it had, like, Wallowitz has fantasized about killing her and stuffing her before, so, uh. Yeah, there was even that whole Norman Bates thing. Jesus. Ah. So it's just, it's gotten more. So that was probably what, I mean, that's probably how Sheldon gets over it so fast is even he is like you know because Wallace is like do you want to end up with a relationship like me and my mother and what and for the first time in his life Sheldon is like no absolutely not I want a normal relationship with my mother whatever it takes yeah I just need to learn how to forget that God is angry at me every time uh my, my I have object permanence about my own penis but I really do want to have sex with my girlfriend if not for the programming that's probably not true. Ooh, that would be fun, though, if that were the thing, and then Amy had to, like, put Sheldon through some sort of, like, religious conversion therapy, where it's like, I know that you can't hold these beliefs simultaneously as both an incredibly logical person and apparently a person incredibly affected by your faith. And so, I don't know, we're going to be snoo-snoo until you're over it, I guess. I, I didn't have a landing to that. I don't know what kind of things they well, do. Well, no, it's just use the, you know... She'll, anal sex doesn't count. Everybody knows that. Oh, yeah. That's the simple solution. Yeah. Yeah. Kiss method. Thank you, Kyle. Well, I don't know. Anything else about the actual episode you want to get into? No, I feel like we've gone. I apologize. This was our Ferelli Brothers episode, so I apologize to everyone. It's, well, I mean, it's, it's, it came, it brought it out of us. Like, were we kind of gross? Yeah. Was this an episode about Sheldon seeing his mom just like, going fucking whole hog on someone's whole hog also yes like it is what it is so let's let's move on to recommendations that are gonna be totally non-horny and chaste and everyone's gonna feel clean and good again uh would you like to start or shall i go ahead all right so 
I'm going to put the most minor caveat here in that this is a thing I haven't finished, but unlike, for instance, uh, any of the American horror story seasons, I do not imagine this is just going to devolve into complete incomprehensible dog shit. Um, I have started watching, um, just upon hearing it mentioned on another podcast, uh, the HBO series How To with John Wilson, and it is lovely and hypnotic and I immediately found it just incredibly pleasant, and I, I will recommend it, even though I finished the first season. There are three seasons total, and I don't know about the seasons two and three. First season's only six episodes, so it's not a lot, and they're 30-minute episodes. But, um, oh, and there won't be any more. Th- season three was the last, so if, if you end up finding yourself interested in this, you can just consume it and not have to commit to it. But the whole premise is that the... Uh, the narrator and first-person cameraman, John Wilson, uh, he lives in New York. He asks and tries to give advice on kind of simple, everyday questions, which, as he goes on exploring them, take multiple twists and turns into wacky angles. So, for instance, I think I can describe this without it being too spoilery. There is an episode about um, how to improve your memory, And it begins with him, you know, meeting just people who you would consider memory experts that have won memory competitions or whatever. But then he kind of runs into some randos who are like, hey, man, you ever hear about the Mandela effect? Yeah. Like, there's this idea that some of us uh, actually have correct memories, but they're of a different reality that we no longer live in. It's like, all right, I guess we better go to this Mandela effect conference (laughs) And, you know, then it's like, oh, well, we're talking about how to improve memory, but, oh, are we also talking about the different fabrics of reality we might live in? Who knows? But a lot of footage of weirdos in New York is going to tell you what it's all about. And, um, I don't know, it's, it's strange in that, even though, like, like, it is just documentary-style footage of a lot of New Yorkers, and, like, it's played for laughs a lot of the time, but not in a way that's, like, ever kind of making fun of the random people on the street. If anything, it feels like it's really celebrating them. Maybe the one exception I've... Oh, you know what? I'm not going to ruin the scene. It's too funny. You should just watch it. I'm not going to ruin it. It's it's a joke about some law enforcement, and I think it's appropriate. But, yeah, I'll just keep it pretty short. It's, it's, it's great. And uh, it's on Max or HBO or whatever uh, thing you steal it from. And it's lovely. So, yeah. How to with John Wilson. Kyle, your turn. Actually, so, sometimes, when I let you go first, it's usually because I haven't thought of something. I'm hoping yours will make me. And it did. Yes! Uh, That's our synergy, baby. I'm going to say also my backup was going to be, uh, and the only reason it wasn't my, is because I only watched the pilot again. But I watched the pilot of the Boondocks the other day. Oh, baby. Oh, shit. Now I feel inspired. Please, please do tell. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll do a double wrap. So, Boondocks still holds up. Actually, it better than holds up. We've gone through a lot of, uh, shall we say, um, evolutions of race consciousness in this country <laughs> in the last, like, five or six years. And so, jokes that I think went way over my head or felt incredibly niche when the Boondocks came out in 2006 or whatever are now just, like, ir- just feel eerily prescient. 
um, in a way that is bad. But that stuff would not be impressive by itself if it also weren't super fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, of course, the story of the – I think it was based originally on a newspaper strip of all things. But it's yes. the story of uh, Huey and Riley Freeman and their grandpa, who I can't remember his name, but he's Grandpa Freeman, you know, former civil rights activist turned, you know uh, – upper or turned like like respectable middle class man who is raising his two grandchildren one of whom is you know sort of an aspiring like street tough obsessed with gangster rap and things like that and the other one is you know an aspiring radical activist and you know it's just about the culture clash between those three very different views about race and then their adventures with their incredibly just other weird people in their town, including the, uh, you know, the, the mixed race prosecutor and his white wife. And of course the, uh, the, uh, incredibly self-hating uncle mm, Ruckus, uncle Ruckus, who is unfortunately one of the most hilarious characters <laughs> only love- because he is so just miserably, yeah, self-loathing. And, so uh, this is, this is, this is the problem with a white person reviewing the boondocks is I love this show unequivocally. I can't tell like a single one of the best jokes from it. Like there's just right. no universe where you can. It's just like I constantly have to remind myself, no matter how funny I thought it was, don't quote any of those jokes. No matter what you think your personal relationship with that particular person might be or how much they also love the boondocks, just don't risk it. Just keep it to yourself. But anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah, watch the first from the pilot. That show is just really fucking funny. Uh, would you agree, Nick? Yeah, well, and I feel like I said you've inspired me because I realized how long it's been since I've seen it. But no, it is fantastic because it's God. I I don't even know how much to like wade into this, but I think there's you know a lot of media and a lot of criticism of that media of things that try to be like socially or racially conscious that end up ultimately either being kind of too, I don't know, either simplified or like uh, patronizing or something like this. But this is not that at all. It is, uh, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of stuff that they were able to get away with because it's all done through the perspective of two like eight-year-olds exploring all of this. But um yeah, as far as, like, directly confronting, like, issues of everyday racism, it is very bold. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's great. And also there's other stuff that's, like, more lighthearted. Like, one of my favorite jokes that I, I think of regularly is that um, Grandpa, at some point, decides he wants to open a soul food restaurant. And um, the food is so heavy that It people, gives you the itis! It's the itis! Yeah, that people start, like, passing out from eating it. And he's like, well, here's the solution to that. I'm going to start putting beds in the restaurant for them to just pass out in if they eat too much. And his kids are like, Grandpa, you are killing people. Like, soul food is delicious, but they are dying in there. So, yeah, it's it's wonderful. I swear to God, we had a place in my hometown that made the exact food from that episode. And, God damn damn if that wasn't the best fried chicken i've ever had and yes it did make you want to nap for approximately three weeks after every time you went in there uh, uh probably the only thing in all of georgia i am nostalgic about <laughs> um, 
But anyway, so yeah, that show's really good. Also, the animation is just shockingly, I mean, I know that was always, I think, kind of praise, but it's weird if you compare it to like, even like something that was probably at a much higher budget, like The Simpsons at the time. Like, it just looks like uh, incredibly... I think this it's the way that it's stylized like is if this really lasts it's like I it's I think this is too simple a way of describing it like it's pseudo anime quality that uh but please sorry No that's all I was going to say yeah uh you know big expressive eyes you know lots of hyper uh hyper uh animated action sequences and yes deliberate sometimes homages to anime like when fights break out and things they're like you know a lot of flying kicks and whatever in fact I I could be totally imagining this, but the style reminds me so much of the show Afro Samurai, which is also sort of like a black homage to anime that I would assume the same animators, there was some overlap between those two shows, but I could be wrong. Well, I think that they were both Adult Swim projects, weren't they? Or... They were, uh, yes, they were both Adult Swim projects. So, uh, I, I was saying that, that that sounds like your your theory is, is likely there. Um, but anyway, so great show. Uh, you know, definitely, like I said, uh, liberal use of the N-word, which is, of course, part of the whole, uh, in fact, not just the, liberal use of every conceivable racial epithet about black people imaginable, usually delivered by black people, so, yes. you know. In, in both that, positive and negative contexts. <laughs> but, you know, if that kind of language makes you uncomfortable, uh... You will, it doesn't, you might laugh, but you will, every time Uncle Ruckus opens his mouth, you will feel uncomfortable. Oh, just, boy. Yeah. You'll laugh too, and then you'll hate yourself just a little bit for laughing, uh, at this whole thing. But that's just, you know, that's the journey you go on. That's why it's such a good show. Speaking of journeys, the, so you were recommending how to. Yes. So my, my actual, what that reminded me of, I was just like, hmm, that sounds a little, although it's probably really different in tone, like review. Have I ever recommended review on this show? I should recommend review. Wait, is this the Andy Daly one or is this something else? Andy Daly. Okay, yes. I haven't watched all of it. I've seen, like, maybe the first season, but please do go on. Oh, man. You gotta watch review too. Uh, if I don't even know what it's on anymore. I know it was originally like a pretty niche Comedy Central show that yeah. didn't like, wasn't that popular when it premiered, but, uh, I think I watched it first by just like, I somehow ended up binging the end episodes on like YouTube or something. And that's the way to go because they're very short and it is a wild ride from beginning to end. So the premise of review is it's a fake documentary about a guy who will review anything the audience, you know, writes in asking him to review and give it a review from one to five stars literally anything yes and that's the joke it's like you start out by thinking well uh well uh, there are basically two things that make this show special the first is that is the when you when you start out you're like well what what uh what could the things could they possibly ask him to review and like you know it's like i can't remember like the order of them but very i remember sometime in the first season someone's like hey What's it like going to a glory hole? Mm-hmm. And so he goes, he goes and he finds like a Trump stop glory hole. And he's like, ah, I got to tell you, I don't know who the woman uh, was on the other end of that, but that was a, you know, not a terrible experience. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it's increasingly, uh, bizarre things and then i should say part of what is the character that the man is playing is someone who is very upright and sort of like you know genteel and maybe slightly socially conservative but you know wants to make a good show and so 
It's like the most but, sheltered but pleasant adult. Right, but as it goes on, he's just... But he has some ridiculous, obsessive commitment to following through with the premise of the show. So, like... And this is the other thing. So, the episodes... You don't think that they're going to build off of each other, but they, end, they do. So, at, over the course of, like, you know, the first season, like... He, you know, he tries drugs and he, you know, he, uh, he commits theft and so on and so forth. And at one point he, uh, oh yeah, I remember he, uh, I remember the turning point for the show for me was someone's like, Hey, what's your review of getting divorced? <laughs> and so he's like, Oh, well, fuck. Cause he's happily married, but no, he go ahead, he goes ahead and he gets divorced from his wife in that episode. And he's just like, yeah, that kind of ruined my whole, uh, that ruined my whole life just then, basically. And so the show just continues. And so in subsequent episodes, it's just like, hey, aren't you that guy who was addicted to cocaine for a while and divorced his wife? And he's like, yes, yes, that is, you know, if you forget about the fact that I'm on a TV show, that does appear to be the trajectory my life is going on. <laughs> Yeah, and it well, just continues to uh, continues to go from there. Well, and so also like focusing so much just on the premise of the show, but it needs to be stated that like Andy Daly is an incredible treasure and genius, and like his ability to remain so cheery and lighthearted as yeah in character, his life is just completely falling apart. But you know he's he's a little boy scout. He's gonna be rooting and tooting and committed. And uh, but it's yeah. Well, you know what? Honestly, if I have to choose one of the two to binge, I'm gonna start with the Boondocks. But now I really want to get back into review. <laughs> All right. Well, we got you. Gave you plenty of funny stuff to watch, including the hit comedy Green Book by the Ferrelli Brothers. Oh my goodness. The Academy Award-winning tale of a guy who gets his hand amputated in a hate crime but still goes on to win the bowling championship. Is that for real? No, I'm talking about... Uh, I mean, it's a reference to the movie Kingpin, which... If okay, you've good. Seen, no, I've also- seen Kingpin! I was like, what the hell? Um, no, Kingpin, there's, there's a movie! That's a movie! Yes, then I tell you, yeah, he gets his hand chopped off, but he learns to play the piano with a prosthetic hand. It all works out. Oh, well, that's nice. Okay. I don't need to see it anymore. That's the real No, I'm making up everything. Just. Well, I relieve myself of this burden nonetheless. <laughs> I'm going to go to parties and be like, hey, ever seen Green Book? Man, that guy's hand, am I right? Ooh. <laughs>